The Geeky Retro Nerd Show is part of the Art, Comedy and Pop Culture Network of Podcasts. so glad to have you here. <laughs> Welcome to the Geeky Retro Nerd Show. My name is Adam and I am a Geeky Retro Nerd. And this show is available on all of your favourite podcast listening apps. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, you name it, I'm on there. So whichever app you listen to me on, please subscribe and or follow and if you leave a little review i would be ever so grateful it really really helps to get the show seen and as always the show is sponsored by truffleshuffle.com head on over to the website because they have got loads and loads and loads of geeky t-shirts and retro gifts and of course you know by now, if you use my own personal discount code GRNS15, that's GRNS15, you will receive a discount of 15% if you spend £25 or more on there. A new thing I'm doing, I mentioned it on the last episode, um, if you have a look in the episode notes on whatever app you're listening to, you will see a link to something called Liberapay. And at Liberapay, you can donate to the show. And all donations go back into the show to grow and uh, enhance and evolve the show and make it even better than what it already is now. And if you do that, your reward is to be credited as an executive producer on the Geeky Retro Nerd Show. And I think it's from as little as 97 pence a week. If you are generous enough to do that and invest in the show, first of all, thank you very much for doing that. It's much appreciated. Like I say, it helps evolve and make the show better. But you'll also be credited as an executive producer. How cool is that? So the executive producers for this episode is the wonderful... Marty Wilcox, Glenn Davies, Dee Flynn and Joy Gradwell for Mind Active who are a charitable organisation in Northumberland which is in the north of England and Mind Active recognises the growing needs of an ageing population with more older people entering the care system and it's a fantastic thing they do. Joy Gradwell is my mother <laughs> so I'm biased uh, and, and she, she works at Mind Active and it's a tremendous thing that they do. Right, I've got something a bit different for you today. I'm breaking the mould of the show a little bit on this show. I'm, I'm dipping my toe into the world of music superstars. <laughs> and the guest I've got today is a music superstar, an international music superstar. And I was chuffed to pieces when he showed an interest in coming on the show. And it was an interesting story because uh, we, we shared an exchange on Twitter. And then he messaged me to say, when am I coming on your show? And I says, well, you, <laughs> you can come on whenever you want. It's Paul Young. Paul Young. International music superstar and when I was a kid growing up uh, Paul Young was everywhere wasn't he <laughs> and the reason he was everywhere is because he was bloody good and he still is bloody good and he's got 
tremendous hits that I still listen to today. So I'm incredibly excited for you to hear the conversation that Paul and I have. Do you want to listen to it? Here we go. Have a listen. Enjoy. Okay, so I've got an absolute treat for you on the show today. I've got a musical legend on the show, and I'm not using that word lightly. I mean it. A musical legend. Paul Young, welcome to the Geeky Retro Nerd Show. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks very much. <laughs> and and um, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, Paul. Uh, and I'm kind of breaking new ground today, if you like. Um, my past guests. So this, so this podcast is about nostalgia. It's about the things I enjoyed growing up in the 80s and the early 90s. And, and my guests so far have been from the world of television and movies. Um, I haven't explored the soundtrack of my youth oh, yet. So, so right, I, okay. I, am, I am breaking new ground with you today, Paul. So, I'm, <laughs> I, so I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation. And when I was researching for talking to you, I was thinking to myself, where do I start here with Paul? Because, um, you know, so many achievements over a career that spans so long. Uh, so where I would like to start is back in the late 70s with some of the bands you are in. Um, yeah. before your, your solo career in, in the early 80s. So, um, Cat Cool and the Cool Cats. <laughs> yeah. So were you Cat Cool or were you one of the Cool Cats? And who came up with that name, Paul? Uh, well, I guess I wasn't Cat Cool because uh, I was in a band before that as well. So maybe it was a guitarist, I would say, is is, is the main man. Um, it's funny how a lot gets... Uh, spoken about about this band now and people ask me about him all the time but th th there's nothing to say really because it was just the second of my yeah. Apre school bands you know what I mean and we used to do covers and we but we did write a couple of songs ourselves and before it went much further I was then off on to the next project yeah so was so the next project street band yeah and probably the the song um that familiarized me with you first was toast yeah because um you know i, I wouldn't have heard that until the, the early 80s because i wasn't born until 1980 but you know it's kind of a novelty song isn't it and, and kids love novelty songs and who doesn't love a song about toast i think i think it got the top got in the top 20 didn't it paul that song it did yeah yeah and it's it's such a terrible start to a career as a a singer why <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well because it's a talking record for one you know and also uh it's that pe people call it a comedy record and it that uh, i kind of say ouch every time pe people say that but yeah but when you think that um the all the rock bands had a sense of humor the small faces yeah had a sense of humor with Ichigo Park and Lazy Sunday and yeah. all stuff like that. And The Who used to do Boris the Spider and, and the, all manner of strange things on their albums. And Cream did My Baby's Gone Down the Plug Hole, you know. And so it was it was in the days of the goons. All the bands I used to listen, listen to were big fans of the goons, uh, mm -hmm. pre-Monty Python. And um, so they used to put a little bit of that madness into their stuff. And I, I, I saw nothing wrong in it until it became my first hit and then of course that that totally changes the picture so so was it so was the reception different to what you envisaged you know um, um, to the song toast 
Uh, it was never meant to come out. It was meant to be hidden right. away on a B side. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but Ken, Kenny Everett, bless his heart, uh, oh, yeah. for some reason flipped it. I don't know why he flipped it. Listened to the B side and then started playing it. And uh, and it wasn't long before everybody else had to because he was such an influence, you know. Yeah. So so, <laughs> so I I like it. I like toast. I think I think you were the first rapper. I heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were the first uh, rapper in my youth. Um, well, the other funny thing about it is when they used to do rap in reggae, because that was really where it started. Uh, the people that used to do that, that used to talk and not sing, were called toasters. So oh. there is a strange connection there. Uh, very strange. <laughs> it's, it's funny how that links up, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, so you've got Toast, top 20 in the UK. Um, you went under the Q-tips, but they disbanded in 82? Yeah. Yeah, and then and then it was, you know, um, uh, the, the solo stuff that came along in 83. You were signed up as a solo artist, weren't you? And, and you, were, yeah. you, were, you were given a, a, a new backing group who were almost as famous as what is what you were. T- tell us about the royal family before we start talking about um, you know you and you and your singles. Okay. Well, they were uh, they they weren't given to me. Those were people that I'd seen play and one by one. Right. First, first I had the keyboard player from the Q-Tips that was with me, and yeah. um, I asked him to stay with me on uh, to come with me on the solo career to be my musical arranger because he was a great musician. Uh, mm-hmm. Been properly trained. Uh, he was a bit of a wild cat, you know. He was in a bank was of Strider, and they, and they were nutcases. Strider. <laughs> they used to su- support uh, the faces, and in fact, one of them, Gary, went on to be one of Rod's players. You know, so all right. Um, so he'd already got uh, some experience under his belt, and uh, and then I had to find a producer, and the producer was Laurie Latham, who actually wasn't. He was just an engineer, and then through the things that we'd done. Uh, like when I was in the Q-tips with Ian, um, Jules Holland had started the Millionaires, and they wanted to be our support. Can you imagine? We're an eight-piece band; <laughs> they were our support <laughs> band. The, the amount the road crew weren't happy, <laughs> and, and uh, but uh, but we saw the Wealthy Tarts and we saw Pino, and Ian and myself. We ran out to watch the show, and we were going, "God, he's good, isn't he? and uh, the girls ain't bad as well, you know." So. Um, <laughs> So once we started on the way with the songs, and then I'd got um, a song called Iron Out the Rough Spots that I was going to do. Yeah. And uh, and then I threw a song out that uh, the record company said yes to, and I added Love of the Common People. And, mm-hmm. and uh, we asked the the Wealthy Tarts, who'd already got their name, um, to come in and do the, the vocals on those. What I loved about them was they didn't sing overtly American like so many English singers do they were kind of very mid-atlantic almost english you know when when yeah. they sing iron out the rough spots it's not iron out the rough spots you know it's spots <laughs> spots with an o you know and um so i kind of thought well that's great because i've got a slightly american twang because i've been doing soul soul yeah yeah and um so i like the fact that what they did offset what i was doing and then uh one of them and still is Pino's girlfriend or common law wife now, or, um, and she said, "I've been playing rough mixes, and he's he's really interested if if we want him." 
And I went, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, so bit by bit, a band was forming. And then the guitar player had played with, with the drummer. The drummer had played with Ian at some point. And all these people started to come in and start playing on it and stick around. You know? <laughs> so a band was forming as I was making the album. So so the album, 1983, No Parley, um, such an iconic album um not just of the 80s just in music and you know full stop um and it, it really sort of elevated you didn't it? it it catapulted you into stratosphere just about and you mentioned there iron out the rough spots uh love of the common people which i think were the two the first two tracks released from yeah. that album um that's right they they, they were yeah yeah, and I, so I don't think, is it fair to say those two tracks didn't quite click with, um, with the public? Um, yeah. But but when Wherever I Lay My Hat came out, mm-hmm. what what a, what a contrast in, in fortune, if you like, because it, it <laughs> yeah. just went, it went crazy, didn't it? Num- number one for three weeks, bang, there you go. What, what, what? How did you feel at the time, Paul? You know, you had the you had the first two so- singles which come out, which are good songs, um, but then wherever I lay my hat, come out and bang, number one. For did you know wherever I lay, I lay my hat was going to be a hit? Um, no, because, <laughs> because uh, the the A and R guy that signed me to Sony Records had seen me in the Q-tips and then wanted me to make this perfect soul album. He said we're get, we're going to get like the best of the best, get a brass section and all this stuff. And I said, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Mm. And and I thought, how strange we never had this conversation before they signed me. But they just <laughs> assumed that I was going to stay going in the same direction. But, you know, if anyone that knows anything about me knows that musically I chop and change and the the, the amount of different sort of material I listen to mm-hmm. is going to influence me. And yeah. my range, my likes are quite wide. And um, I said, no, I don't want to do that. I want to make perfect pop. He went, what do you mean perfect pop? I went, well, like, who who are you with in the moonlight by Dollar? You know, <laughs> look at his face. He was scared <laughs> stiff. I said, well, I don't. I said, it's not It's not that. Actually, that is quite a good song, I think. Uh, but uh, but it's the production, you know, and all stuff like that. So I'd love to work with, with um, now I've got his name. And I was with him just the other day, the guy from Buggles, who was a producer, a big producer, did Frankie, goes to Hollywood, and it will come back to me. How terrible. I had a conversation with him. But but anyway, they said, no, we're not paying for him. He's too expensive. All right. And um, I said, all right, uh, Nick Lowe then, because I love Elvis Costello's albums. Uh-huh. Uh, no, he's too expensive. Oh. I thought, okay. <laughs> I'm obviously a low-budget artist. Then yeah, keep head. working down the list. <laughs> um and anyway, I played wherever I lay my hat to Muff Winwood that had signed me. And um, he said, he said, well, have you got any ideas what could be a single? And I went, well, this one that we're working on here. you know. He said, well, you can't even tell where the chorus is. And some young guy <laughs> who had just joined the A&R place went, yeah, yeah, you can. He went, what? Do you mean he went that bit wherever I lay my hat that's my home you know I'm the type of guy who's always and Muff said yeah but you can but he said it's not a radio record you need to put backing vocals on it and I went well it's about a guy who's always on his own and he keeps moving so I don't think he should have loads of backing vocals on it 
I like the single voice. So we kind of came to this agreement that if we put a little musical pattern in and then he listened to it, he went, yeah, yeah, now that sounds more like a chorus. So, so no one had a lot of confidence in it, really, apart from I hoped that good material will always shine through, you know. Yeah, and it's it's one of my favourite songs of yours, Paul. Um, incredible, incredible song. Um, and you know, if if I was, if I if I make a playlist of songs, if I'm having a party or I'm having a barbecue or something outside, I know it's not exactly an up tempo party song, <laughs> but but th- this is one of the songs that I always put on my playlist all all the time. I love it, absolutely love it. Really? Um, yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, and I was going to say to actually, you know. Uh, when I when I think back, so I said before, this is a nostalgic podcast. It's, it's about me um, growing up. And um, when I think back to them days, um, and, and if I was to write a list about the, the musical artists from from back then who who I enjoyed, uh, your your name's very near the top of the list. If I was to make another list about the artists who I still listen to. Uh, from that time, the list will be slightly shorter, but you're still on it. <laughs> um, yeah. So then, I believe after wherever I lay my hat, um, come back and stay. Uh, yeah, in fact, I'm a little bit unsure of that order. If it was come back and stay, and then love of the common people, or if it was the other way around. Other way around, because you re-released uh, love of the common people, didn't you? And it got a number two. Yeah, now that, that was because we'd. By that time, I'd appeared on the tube, and we'd finally got on there. But the but the record company had, had deemed that it wasn't going to be a hit, so they mm-hmm. shut down the print printing of it, and they got rid of the lacquers and all the stuff and the artwork and and all this stuff. And then uh, the tube said our phone lines gone mad, and they love <laughs> you. You know, can you come back wow. next week? I went. Oh, it looks like I reckon it's going to be a hit after all. My manager said it's not as simple as that. Uh-huh. You know, the 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 whole all the print printing apparatus has been thrown, you know, so they can't just start it all up again. Yeah. And so I had to let it fail. And then when it came to the Christmas period, and they said we need another, uh, we need a, a, another record out. I said, well, it's Christmas, and um, why don't we do Love the Common People because it could go, you know, radio loved it, and yeah. it's already got sleigh bells on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and it's, it's got a good video as well, isn't it? With the with the, the Christmas themed uh, video. Yeah. yeah. And, and as well, it, it was on um, a John Hughes movie. It was featured on a John Hughes movie. Yeah. Sixteen Candles. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So so um, it, it, I suppose and, it, and yet it, it had a popularity that there, way, which was great. Yeah. I mean, that was that was a nice little shoe in the door. Yeah, and and. It, it allows us to segue nicely. I was going to talk about this later, but I'll, just, I'll ask you about it now. <laughs> Speak, mm. Speaking of John Hughes, John Hughes must have been a fan of yours um, because he brought out a movie in 1987, um, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Yeah. And uh, a lot of my friends, when I, when I said I was speaking on the podcast, 90% of my friends have said, ask him about this. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I know you know what I'm going to ask you about. So at the end of the yeah. movie, there's a real um, 
you know, it's a real tear jerker at the end of that film. Yeah. Uh, co- considering it's a, a, tr- a tremendous sort of comedy movie with yeah. um, uh, um, John Candy, isn't it? John Candy and Steve yeah. Martin. Yeah. And then it really sucker punches you at the end with mm. a real tear jerker. And the music that plays at the end is mm. every time you go away, yeah. but it's not your version. No. Why is it not your version, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> because and you will find out the answer to that question after this why is it not your version paul <laughs> <laughs> because back then there was in, in fact there was a lot of uh, the way the music business worked back then there were some very powerful people had some the, the the ceos and things like that and you know the 80s was pretty was a pretty wild yeah decade and uh-huh. there were some very arrogant people that used to flex their muscles a bit running big com- companies and they would just do stuff just to just to have one over on them and just because um, they could yeah just because they could and so what 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 was they'd been um there'd been a i don't know something that happened with a movie warner brothers had done once before and i think um CBS was now Sony, and they were trying to get a song into a movie, and Warner Brothers refused it. So right. then Trains, Planes, and Automobiles gets made. And I actually had a friend in L.A. He said, I've seen The Rushes, and you're, and you're at the end of this movie. I went, a Steve Martin movie? I can't believe it. Me and Steve Martin, how about that? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and then when, it, when the final edits were made and it came out, it wasn't me. And because uh, Warner's had gone to Sony, which was run by Walter Yetnikoff at the time, and uh, they said, we'd like to use this song. And he just said, over my dead body. You're not wow. having it. Oh, no. So they recreated it um, with uh, session players and a singer. And uh, and I didn't get it. And I was so deflated about that. Because for me to be involved in an, a big American film, one thing, it's got Steve Martin in it as well, you know, yeah. and it's got John Candy. And uh, it all came to light again when Ryan Reynolds um, yeah. uh, wrote something on Twitter about it in he celebration did. of John Candy's life. Yeah, And he mentioned me, and I just corrected him. I said, I wish that was mine on there, but I'm so angry that it wasn't, you know. And then yeah. he, he tweeted something really nice back. I can't remember what it was. He said that song gets me in the heart every time. That's or right. Something yeah. like that. He yeah. did. Yeah. He yeah. was he was very complimentary about your version. And and actually what he did was, Paul, he posted up a video, didn't he? Celebrating yeah. John Candy like you say, celebrating John Candy's life and celebrating the movies he was in and the yeah. and the music he had accompanying that um accompanying that was uh, your version yeah. of every time you go away. Yeah. Um, but it never, you know, I've done an episode on planes, trains, and automobiles, and it, and it's a, it's one of my favourite movies. So funny. Um, but it'll never, never, st- not bother me that it's not your version <laughs> at yeah. the end of I know. the movie. What a shame. Yeah. Um, and and I'm guessing you're kind of a a Steve Martin um, fan. Yeah. Um, because yeah. And, I, and I won't give details, but um, <laughs> when you gave me your username for yeah. um, for this, and, and I'm not saying what it is because you'll get people like me, ma'am, pestered yeah. with you. <laughs> but it, but it's a reference to uh, Three Amigos. Yeah. 
which yeah. is uh, another one of my favourite movies. Um, and you've got your location as uh, Santa Poco. Which I noticed yeah. that as well. <laughs> so you're a bit of a Three Amigos fan, Paul. I am, yeah. It, it's actually what I was going to ask you is, is there, so if, if you could pick any movie to, that you wish your music had featured in, what what movie or movies would it be? Putting your bit uh, on the spot. Oh, yeah, that is hard. Um, I think um, I'd like, I would go more uh, indie. I'd like to do, I'd, I'd like it if I was in an indie movie. That would be cooler than being right. in a big movie. Yeah. So some kind of indie movie. Um, what have I seen recently? No, you have put put me on the spot here. <laughs> don't don't you realise that I've got this thing called senior memory now? I'm over sixty, <laughs> so I want things Sorry, to come into my head and they don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like that now. I'm thirty nine, so I can sympathise with you. Well, we'll we'll crack on, and, and if anything comes to you, we'll you can you can shout it out. <laughs> so okay, sure. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so so you didn't get the gig with planes, trains, and automobiles. Such a shame. Uh, absolutely gutted for you. I would be gutted. Um, but anyway, back to No Parley. Um, so yeah, so the re-release of uh, Common People that got to number two. It uh, was featured in uh, John Hughes' movie. Like I say, was 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 he a fan of yours? Did you ever find that out? Did, did was did John Hughes like you? Um, you know what? I I never did find out. No, I don't know. I should ask around, but uh, uh, yeah, he, he's he's given me two great uh, uh, little steps up the ladder, which is fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, yeah. So, so after No Parley, then Paul, um, nineteen eighty four, you did a big tour, didn't you? Yeah. In, in uh, nineteen eighty four, and it was a tour of America. How was that? Was yeah, that, that was experience? great. Yeah, well, I did a two-week one that actually did me in, uh, and I'd overworked myself. But then I went back uh, the following year because every time we go away was out at this point you know, right. in '85, so uh, the tour was much bigger, much longer. Right. Yeah, because I, I did on six months. Yeah, because I did read that you knocked your pan in a little bit with um, you know overstretching your voice or you know because yeah. it was a big tour, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, so it wasn't the big tour that did it. It was the short one. The short one, 13, all right. 13 shows in 14 days and pressed during the day. So there was no chance at all for, for me to shut up and just rest it, you know. That, that, that sounds like a tough gig. <laughs> yeah, well, don't forget, I'm also flying from place to place because uh, I'm staying on to do the TV show while the band travel on the bus. So um, I was up at five o'clock most mornings and doing a show at night. It was ridiculous. I don't know what made me think that I could do it. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it sounds really, really intensive. Um, because in, in, in 1984 as well, of course, was um, Band-Aid. Yeah. The mm-hmm. Band-Aid single. And, and I read, and you can confirm if this is true or not, um, you were in for Bowie. I think Bowie, I read somewhere that Bowie dropped out. Um, yeah. You came in. Is that true? Well, you know what? No one can really remember because uh, when, when I spoke to Bob about it, he said, no, that didn't happen. But then no. I remember words being said that they wanted him, but he was touring Japan and couldn't get back. Right. Um, and 
I toured America with Mitch last year as well. And I said, look, Mitch, people always ask me about this. You know, <laughs> Bob's saying it's wrong. And I said, what's your recollection? He went, he says, I can't remember that either. Maybe we did consider him, but it didn't get very far because it was obviously never make it. Um, but what we did do was we recorded three, at least three, maybe four different people singing the first line. All I went, right. oh, it wasn't just me then. You know, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said, no, but we chose you. So said, that's a good thing. I went, yeah, yeah, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter really, does it? Because it's you, you're in it, you're on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and did you know, I mean, you must have had a feeling at that time with all these you know, musical superstars around you, that this this single was going to be something special? We, I knew it was going to be something special, but not not beyond the UK. I wasn't looking beyond the UK. I thought this is something that uh, will um, we'll make a lot of money. I mean, the whole thing was geared to getting maximum earning potential. But Bob did and, and Midge, they, everybody really did such a good job. Of, I think it was the fastest record to get to number one. It yeah. was made in, in the turnover of recording, mixing, printing, and everything was. Is, is it in the Guinness Book of Records? I might be wrong. Yeah. But, um, a, 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 sorry, mm. I, I was just going to say a buddy of mine, um, Gemma Sinclair, she asked to ask, she asked me to ask you, did you realise um, that, you know, at the time that you were singing the opening lines of one of the, the biggest singles, or it was going to be one of the biggest singles ever? No, I didn't know. And also now I can say that name with, when I, Trevor Horn produced it and mixed it. And he Trevor. was the, my first choice to make my first album. And the record company said, no, he's too expensive. <laughs> so <laughs> so I got to work with him finally on the Band-Aid record. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, yeah, that's right. And uh, also, you know, I'd, I'd already done the bit in the middle and I thought that was me done with. And then they called me back in to do that uh, first line. And then there must there must have been a few conversations in the studio running each one, and then they must have gone, that's the one, that, that works best, you know. So who, did you have any, so the, the, the Band-Aid live up, did you, uh, the Band-Aid line up, sorry, did, did you have any buddies amongst that line up? Did you hang out with any of the, those guys? Um, I can't remember who I hung out with. Um, I know status quo, but they were hanging out with everybody. They were having a party. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I hung out with them a bit. I hung out with Rick, which is funny because I'm now friends with his son, you know, and I All just right. did a little show with him the other day. Um, right. And um, I knew the Spandau boys, but there was a bit of rivalry there because I was, I'd got a retro soul band on Chrysalis and then they signed Spandau. And I got the feeling that we were, they were looking down our noses at us because we were retro, you know, oh. we, were, we weren't spearheading any movements. Um, so I kind of said, probably said polite hellos to most people. Um, but I can't remember if I'm, who I hung out with the most, you know. Because it must have been some occasion, Paul, having, you know, like I said before, all these um, mega stars from the world of music all together in the one yeah. place um, yeah. d doing that song. And, and and even now it's still impressive, you know, and, and that was back when Christmas number ones were proper Christmas number ones. Yes. Yes. Before um, X Factor took over and, and um, started getting <laughs> Christmas number one every year. Um, so, um, so after Band-Aid then, 
Um, you had an album out in '85, Secret of Association. Yeah, that's right. And 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 that sort of um, gave you a, a lot of or secured your popularity, if you like, in places like USA, Japan, Australia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. the first one we, we was successfully in Australia, but uh, yeah, it, it it just got bigger there, and um, and Canada also quite nicely. They got the first album, they understood it, and, and sales were better in Canada. It's just America. It's a different beast, you know. You've got to understand how it works, and I didn't. Right, because um, Secret of Association had Every Time You Go Away on the yeah. album, and and, and is, is Every Time You Go Away your biggest hit, Paul? Uh, probably, yes. It, it was I, number one in USA, so. wasn't it? It was number one there, and it was number one in Japan, and it was top ten almost everywhere else. Yeah, yeah, huge, huge, huge singer. It was written by Daryl Hall, wasn't it, from Hall and Oates? Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. tremendous song. Absolutely love it. Again, that's that's one of my go-to tracks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when I'm knocking together a playlist, um, and also in '85 was Live Aid. Mm-hmm. What what was that experience like, Paul? Live Aid. Um, Live Aid was it, it, once once again I was touring America because we could see every time we go away it looked like it was going to happen mm-hmm. and um, originally I said I was going to be on the UK stage for Live Aid we said that much you know and then we realised that we were extending our shows in America so we tried to get on the American stage instead right and, but I think, uh, can you imagine the organisation involved? And then I, I, I wanted to switch. Uh, I, I got a, a, a polite but uh, very definite no. You were coming back to the UK. Um, so, so it was all so much of a rush and getting back there. And I think I got there just a, two or three days before to climatise and also to run through doing a song with, with Alison Moyer. And um, but when I got there, it was just like. It was just one thing after another, after another, after another. And it's so difficult to take it all in. There's little bits yeah. I remember all, all the time, you know. Yeah. So so you couldn't really, you know, enjoy the occasion, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of things going on, you know. Like we had 20 minutes, may, maybe even less, t- to get out of our dressing room because Queen needed to use it. But I'd got stopped to do an interview on the way off stage. So right. all the band were out and Queen were outside with their bags waiting to go in, you know. I felt so bad, you know, and I was going, yeah, I'm getting changed as quick as I can, you know. Still sweating as you come off stage. It's like everything was crazy. Um, and uh, But it was, a, it, it was a lot of fun. It was great to be there. You know, the goodwill feeling was just incredible. And, um, yeah, it was great. And it must be a great honour, you know, being included in that. And, and, and being part of it because you know people still look back on it now it's been highlighted again with the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody movie that yep. came out um, you know people still talk about Band-Aid now so it, yeah. it must have been you know it, it, it must be a huge honour for you to, to be included in such a, a massive musical event in musical history yeah yeah it was incredible yeah and, and Wembley was absolutely packed to the to the rafters. <laughs> yeah, it was. And also, don't forget, I, I've never played to a bigger, a, a bigger audience than that because uh, if you count the TV viewers as well, yeah. when you went across to America, 
Well, you're nervous. I'm never going to break that. Um, I was trying not to think about it until Bob came on halfway through my show and said, we're now live in America. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) Thanks, Bob. And then he went off again, yeah. (laughs) To leave me to it. Um, But um, it was, you know, it was an incredible thing. Good. Um, some other things I've got written down here, you know, when when you list down your achievements and accomplishments, Paul, it's uh, it's really quite something. I've got written here as well, Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday. Yeah. In 88, you were part of that celebration as well. Again, mm-hmm. a, a massive event in history uh, with a, a historical figure like Na- uh, Nelson Mandela. Um, how, how did you come to get involved in that? What did Nelson Mandela ask for you? Is was Nelson Mandela a fan of yours? Um, that I, I doubt. I think once again, uh, Harvey Goldsmith was organising it. If I've got it right, all right. So, so they'd already got a roster of names that had done Live Aid. Uh, I guess they were just checking out who's still around and making. <laughs> good pop records uh, we need to get these people involved for maximum exposure yeah he's still doing well let's get him you know, and, uh, and there I was I was actually recording an album I didn't feel that you, you, you know my, my stuff is mostly about uh, love or yeah. on the upside or the downside yeah. and um, didn't really have anything that was relevant and that was why I chose Don't Dream It's Over because I just got in into Crowding House and I really liked him. And yeah. uh, the reference of the line where it says, and in the paper today, towers of war and of waste, but you turn right over to the TV page. Mm-hmm. And I thought it, it's a, it's an oblique. Well, it's only a small reference, but uh, it's, it's, it's very relevant. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I had, um, when I put on social media that I was going to be talking to you, Paul, a lot of people mentioned your, um, your version of that song. Um, uh, that they they really enjoyed. Yeah, it, it's really hard. You know, once again, I I try not to be too predictable, but I got so much weight from the record company that I caved. You know, they said, right. "Why don't you do that? So why don't you record it?" I went because I chose it for that specific occasion. I was going, "Yeah, but it sounded great. It'll be a great record." And I was doubtful because I think, well. You know, the Crowded House one is is great. Uh, yeah. And if I think something's great, it's hard for me to get out of that uh, mindset and think about doing it any other way other than they did. And, and in fact, I didn't change it very much. You know, it, I, it was a bit more mellow, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, if I like to do a cover, I like to really pull it around a bit, you know. So so I, I bowed to record company pressure on that one. And, yeah, it was a hit, right. you know. But uh, it's, it was a hit because it's a great song, you know. Yeah, so so yeah, so like you say, you know, you had you had a great great source material to start off with. It's a, it's yeah. a tremendous track. But like I say, lots of people commented on my Facebook and Twitter about how much they enjoyed your version. Oh, that's nice um, to know. of that track. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and again, when I put on social media that I was talking to you, um, a lot of people got very excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, it, you, it's it's clear that you've still got a massive fan base. Um, and, and you're still doing shows um, and things now. You're still touring regularly. I, 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 I see you in the, um, you know, the the 80, 80s reunion yeah. um, things that go on. And, 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 and I think you've been up here in Scotland as well a couple of times with uh, that, have you? Yeah, yeah I have. Uh, we did uh, we did 
the No Parley tour. And we started it in October last year, yeah. and we just did a month. And uh, the shows went much better than anticipated. Right. So we turned it into another uh, nearly three months of shows this year. And we took it to uh, a few spots in Europe just uh, once again to to get a feel for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the agent came along, saw it, and said, we, we want to book this all the, all the way through Europe, you know. So so now it's going to carry on again. The no parley tour that never ends. But um, uh, <laughs> it's nice. And there's been a lot of great other things that have come out of that that are coming up, haven't been announced yet. But um, it was very nice to be asked once, uh, once again, you know, by a big artist to be the, their guest. So... All right, so that's that's mm. a little tease. Yeah, a little tease. So we'll we'll mm. need to stay tuned for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as well, you know, I, I look on your Facebook page, and you're, you're still doing the Los Pacaminos um, yeah. stuff with 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 your band. T- tell tell us a bit about Los Pacaminos because it's a bit of a it's a bit of a different flavour, isn't it, from your um, from your solo stuff. It is, yeah. Uh, well, this is where. So, I like to do these things so that I don't get complacent, you know. And uh, I started Lost Back in Me was 27 years, might be 28 years ago now. I mean, that's longer than the Hollies last. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the Beatles actually had a short shelf life, but uh, but um, we started it for fun. Um, I thought oh, I, I want to pick up a guitar again and it, and get comfortable playing one on stage and the only way I'm going to do that is starting small time and uh, and I just fancied a change to do, try a different style of music and I settled on Tex-Mex music because I'd I'd um, fallen in love with this, uh, just a little period that Ry Cuda did where he got Mexican musicians in uh, for a couple of albums and then he drifted off into other ventures. But uh, t- to me, it was a sound worth exploring. Mm-hmm. And we got the Pacamino scan. And then I got this whole mystical, uh, maybe over-romanticized version of Mexico in my head and what it was like to live there and and just the, the down the southwest of America, where there's lots of desert, very dry. I'd actually done some RV trips down there with my family, and I, I'd fallen in love with the whole place. So, nice. so um, I'd got. You want, uh, and then you want the you, songs. You want it to be in. You, you want it to be in Three Amigos, didn't you? Well, exactly. So, <laughs> well, and the Three Amigos came out around about the same time. So that became our go-to movie. So we would watch that in in the, the little tour bus or whatever we were doing, you know, yeah. and a, a lot of our jokes revolve around it and things like that. And we, we used to do the, um, the three amigos salute at the end of our <laughs> shows. <laughs> it just all seemed to tie in, all seemed to be going so one wonderfully our way, you know, that they were making movies about Mexico and, and, uh, just the whole thing. So, and then we realized that the thing about the music, is uh, Mexican life is pretty tough, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. in Mexico or you're just a job in Mexican in California or whatever, you know. So yeah. the way their lives are set up, they work, you know, they don't get paid a great deal. We're talking yeah. the working class here. So they want to go out on a Friday night and, and, and in a very tr- traditional way, they want to go to the dance, you know, and ask a girlfriend for dance and think, or, and, and, or a lady. And... Um, yeah that sort of thing so 
in a similar way, there's a lot of similarities with the Q-tips. It's very earthy music. Um, it's uh, it's very working class. Um, we were a very tight set of friends in the Q-tips, and the same thing happened in the Pacaminos to the point where sometimes I do interviews about the Pacaminos, and 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 the interviewer would say, Q-tips, you, you mean the Pacaminos, don't you? Oh yes, <laughs> because. <laughs> Because the vibe is the same, it's just yeah. the music that's changed. Yeah. Well, well, between that and you know the 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 tours that you're doing and the other um, gigs that you're doing, you you must be kept mega busy, Paul. Yeah, I am. Yeah, in fact, I can't f- fit it all in at the moment. We've been trying to uh, get together the next Pac- Pacaminos album, but uh, right. really, before I do that, I have to do the first Paul Young album. You know, and I've had some some life-changing things happened in the last couple of years you know which yeah. have just made it impossible for me to get into the studio and even this the early part of this year my plan was to pick up these tracks again and finish them off and then i got ill with pneumonia and all sorts so uh i'm hoping that uh it's it all seems to be going my way now and i hope it continues good so fingers crossed you stay well everything goes yeah. your way and you realize all the all the projects that that you want to do um paul thank you so much for a talking pleasure. to us I, i've really enjoyed it um like i say you know uh, I, I love looking back um when i was a child i feel incredibly lucky to have grown up when i did with the tv and the movies and the music that was around yeah. to, to me 80s is the best era of um of music people call us an 80s uh nerd but i, I sincerely do. i mean i like music now you know at yeah. 80s uh, 90s 2000s i enjoy music but yeah i, I love I still the do decade well, I, I, yeah. I love the decade of the 80s and well i mean you you can listen to a lot of artists around now that that really good artists and put good records Kids out, you know. Once again, the names aren't going to come come to me at the moment. But John, say John Legend and people like that. But if yeah. you listen to Bruno Mars's stuff, well, one he's working with um, the producer that did Amy, and um, who's Mark Mark Ronson. Thank you. There it came. And um, <laughs> who's also a retro fan. And Bruno yeah. Mars's stuff is a straight lift off of late seventies, early eighties disco. It's all that stuff. You can tell he was listening to Chuck Brown and the Soul Searchers, and all that. And it's it's back again. It's in the yeah. frame, you know. So um, it, it it still has a very relevant uh, hold on today's music. Absolutely, and 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 um, a source of inspiration for many artists yeah. today mm. as well. Uh, Paul, yeah. once again, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us. I'm, I'm sure um, my listeners are going to be uh, very interested in this conversation. When I put it on social media, like I've mentioned before, um, a lot of people got very excited that I was talking. It was mainly <laughs> it was mainly women <laughs> got very excited that I was talking to you. Uh, Paul, could you do me one little favour, please? Yeah. It, my mum's a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I was going to share this story with you. I wrote it down not to forget, but I, I have forgotten. But I'll just quickly tell you. Um, when I was a kid, um, well, when I told my mom the other day that I was talking to you, she reminded us of a story. Um, when I was a kid, um, I told my mom that she looked like a pop star. And when my mom asked which pop star, I said Paul Young. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, the reason for that was because she had your hair. She yeah. Had, she had your spiky mullet. And my sister yeah. had the same hairstyle as my mum. My mum and my sister had matching spiky right. Uh, mullets, yeah. and, <laughs> and um, uh, your mullet was great. And I, I spoke to Pat Sharp a little while ago. Do you know Pat? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I spoke to him. He was the king of mullets. Um, yeah. And um, but yours was up there. Yours, <laughs> yours was a very, very good mullet, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Thank you. So I was desperate to get that mullet story <laughs> I wasn't sure how he would take me um, comparing him to my mother but he laughed so that was a good sign <laughs> and he did have good hair didn't he oh he had good hair I wish the mullet style would come back that would be good news for everybody I think <laughs> but wasn't it great I really enjoyed talking to Paul uh, and um, in, in the conversation actually he was toying with the idea of telling me some breaking news that hadn't come out yet but may, may have come out by the time this episode came out but he didn't tell us he was keeping it under wraps. But that news has come out and it is fantastic news um, he put on his social media the other day uh, I am truly honoured and excited to be performing as special guest for the legendary Cher on her UK tour this autumn. Paul Young is going to be Cher's special guest on her UK tour. And they don't come much bigger than Cher did this. So well done, Paul. Top stuff. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, all that's left for me to say again is... Uh, this show is available on a free app called PodCoin and it's available on Apple and Android. I'm on there. Uh, all your other favourite podcasts are on there so you can listen to them too. And it, PodCoin is the only app that rewards you for listening to podcasts. Uh, the more you listen, the more you get. And the way that it works is you, you listen to podcasts and you earn points. The more you listen, the more points you earn. And you can turn those points into gift vouchers for like Amazon, for example, or you can convert it to cash, which can be donated to charity. So that's PodCoin available on Apple and Android as a free download. So thank you very much once again to my executive producers on this show. Your support is sincerely much appreciated. Marty Wilcox, Glenn Davies, Dee Flynn and Joy Gradwell from Mind Active, the wonderful Northumberland and the North of England charity caring for elder people in our community. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Paul Young. I've got loads more coming up for you, loads more brilliant guests. They're all lining up to come on the show. And I don't know why I'm laughing, because it's true. Um, I'm getting emails and messages through social media all the time of people interested in coming on the show. I've got loads coming up from E.T., Back to the Future, Star Wars, Adventures in Babysitting. Loads, absolutely loads. Whatever app you're listening on, please give it a subscribe or a follow. And if you leave me a review, I would be ever, ever so grateful. Till next time, friends. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.